And another edition of Banker with a Beer is upon us, presented by Northwestern Bank. I'm Scott. Across the way is Jerry. Jerry, how's it going? Scott, we have a great day today. We've got uh, an, an awesome guest. It's always great to have Elaine in the house and uh, kind of a plethora of beverages here. So uh, we're uh, moving away just from a straight beer. I'm going to be having a Honey Vice, but we all Sprecker, which has some great, great brewery down in uh, Milwaukee, actually Glendale, uh, has also some a soda lineup. And so our guest, Elaine, is going to be having an Orange Dream. Scott's going to be having a cream soda. And being the local boy, well, pseudo-local from uh, Wisconsin Rapids via Chippewa Falls, I'll be having a Honey Vice. You know, the way I, reason I chose uh, the, the soda, I could have had the beer, but I said, you know, I usually don't get one of these really sweet sodas. So the banker with the beer is an opportunity to try something a little bit different. Well, there's no, say, adult beverage. Might as well go with the, uh, the tasty soft drink. This podcast is all about expanding your mind, your ideas, and your beverage palette. And so with that in mind, we're going to take it another step. All right, we'll have that. There, there was, by the way, a, a, a Diet Coke as well that was an option. I'm happy nobody selected the <laughs> Diet Coke. There's nothing wrong with Diet Coke, but that would be the equivalent of you one day bringing out a, a Coors Light for this podcast. That's the day this podcast ends, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you uh, open those up, let's, uh, well, why don't you introduce the guest here? Oh, we, Elaine Coglin is, is with us today. Uh, Elaine, I've known for a number of years. Uh, she's had a interesting career, but has a very interesting title in working for probably one of the more, um, I'll say, a dynamic groups in the Chippewa Valley. She's a director of investments and entrepreneurship at the Pablo Group. Uh, I know she's worked with uh, CoLab, uh, but very much in tune with the entrepreneur and new business startup environment for the Chippewa Valley. So, Elaine, welcome on board. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here again. So, Scott, as always, I'll pour the beverages, and maybe we can find out a little bit more about Elaine. Well, let's do that. We've had Elaine <laughs> on uh, the podcast uh, before. Let's, let's, let's go right into this, though. I know you had a recent addition to the family, so why don't you tell everybody a little bit about uh, the family and your, your yeah. upbringing in the area and, and all that. Yeah. Uh, so born and raised here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Um, yes, just had another baby. So baby number two. I have a three-year-old and now a three-month-old. Um, I call the three-year-old a three-nager. Um, <laughs> I was warned about twos. No one said anything about threes. So I feel like I need to do my duty to tell everyone that three-nager is a real thing. The way I've learned <laughs> is that at one, they learned to walk. At two, they learned to talk. Mm -hmm. And at three, they learned to sit down and shut up. Mine doesn't sit down very much, and he's pretty loud, so uh, maybe that'll hit at four. Um, but yeah, he, he has a little brother now, um, and we're totally in love with him, and it's just the best family is my whole life. So yeah, I love it. Your, your path to, and, and your, your position and what you've done has evolved a little bit over the last number of years, but what's led you really into the, the current job you, you have? I always like that Sometimes it's a stray line for, for other people. They were doing X, Y, and Z, and they ended up in a different position. That is definitely my path, the latter part of what you said. Um, I always like to reference Mogi's Pub. I worked there for about 10 years, all through college and then some. Um, and then I got my first um, big kid job at the city of Eau Claire working in economic development. Um, worked a little bit with downtown Eau Claire, Inc., um, and that was just a fantastic learning experience and I, and I loved working with the people there. Um, from there, I hopped over to the state theater, um, and worked there for gosh, like a year and a half. And then 
the Confluence, as we used to know it, uh, was coming online. Um, so then I worked for the Confluence, then Pablo Center at the Confluence. Um, really missed working with business, um, which is what I did at the city of Eau Claire. And so um, Colab was, you know, a startup and they were looking for a community manager. And I saw an opportunity to continue working with the business community and entrepreneurs. Um, and I just really loved doing that kind of work at the city. So hopped over there. Um, and then, yeah, that job kind of evolved um, as we saw some other opportunities to um, work with the community and, and investments and and other things like that that I'm sure we'll get into. And and I just, I love where I've landed right now. Um, it's it's really rewarding to work with entrepreneurs. I'm sure you'll you'll hear that as we as we continue to talk. But um, yeah, it's a passion of mine. So. Well, Elaine, can we oh, yeah. toast and head off into the, the great unknown of Podland world? Okay. Well, that'll be nice. Everyone's got something different oh. there, but it's going to be tasty regardless. So is it worthy? That is tasty. Nice. <laughs> I love it. And Thank you. Glad, glad that you enjoying it. So I'm going to start off and play very naive, and this is an I'm not playing. I am naive. So what actually do you do in your position? <laughs> Great question. Um, so, you know, I referenced Colab, which is the co-working space in downtown Eau Claire. Um, we actually moved locations since we last spoke. Um, so we are, we're still on Barstow Street, um, but where U.S. Bank lives on Barstow, we are a floor above that. Um and so our membership has grown. We're looking to continue to expand in hopes to move again uh, to a more permanent po- uh, home at Antique Emporium. So um, Pablo Group has purchased and will be renovating that building, and we will live on the third and fourth floor of of that space. Um, so that's one aspect of my job is kind of overseeing Colab and the co-working community, um, which you know we see as an entrepreneurial hub, um, which kind of dips into my role. Um, and then the other side is, um, investments. Um, so our group does invest in community and startups in the area. Um, so I kind of wear two hats there and then kind of in the middle, bringing it all together. Um, I work with an accelerator that we created a few years ago called, um, Weiss's Venture Home Eau Claire. Um, so that's a five month program that will take six founders, twice a year, run them through five months of programming, uh, culminates with a pitch day. We invite community and investors to attend in hopes that we can help um, them launch their venture. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. It is fun. I have a really great job. <laughs> <laughs> so I have got a ton of questions. Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll start at the top, and I'm sure uh, Scott will pop in here with one or two of his own as well. But first, how would you rate the entrepreneurial activity in the Chippewa Valley? Oh, I mean, it's fantastic. Um, there's so much opportunity here and so many people looking to start a business. Um, you might not know it if you're not, you know, active in the community. Um, but everywhere I look and turn, and it's just because I'm involved, I, I, I'm always hearing people wanting to start a business or explore this or that. Um, and it could be someone who, you know, isn't working right now. It could be someone who is working and they want to do their own thing. It could be something they want to do on the side. Um, but the activity in the Chippewa Valley is, it's very high. Now, and I think I've mentioned this in, in previous shows that we've done, but when I am a bit older and when I went through school, the idea was to work hard, get good grades, get a good job working for someone or working for some business or, you know, getting a great set of, uh, uh, you know, good salary and hopefully some benefits and, you know, safety in the long term. That was a different era. Uh, 
So is the function of the entrepreneurship locally, is it more of the, I'll say, the creative uh, vibe or the soup of this area? Is it more of, of the age of folks today, a combination of the two? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I'd say a combination. I think... One thing I really love about UW-Eau Claire and CVTC is they both have an entrepreneurship um, program. Whether it's a certificate or it's part of a different program, they have a focus in entrepreneurship, and I think that's just fantastic. You know, it's not the route every entrepreneur has to take. You don't have to go to school for it. You can absolutely figure it out on your own. There's tons of success stories in that way. Um, in terms of, you know, are they creative or are they more business mind? I think we see a lot of it. Um, that's one of my favorite parts about the venture home is we'll get a lot of founders. You know, they might have the idea and they need someone to help operate or manage. And we might have it the other way around. Someone might just want to run a business, but they don't have the idea. So you just get a variety of people at different places. So in banking, over a number of years, you kind of get this sixth sense, or they call it your gut, about mm -hmm. someone who's maybe going to do well or not so well at what they've got. When it comes to entrepreneurship, what do you look for, and what kind of what are the things that go this this person is going to make it, as opposed mm -hmm. to saying, boy, um, boy, maybe you better look for a job somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Passion, passion, all the way. Uh, it's it's hard to measure or quantify. Um, but you can absolutely feel it when you're talking to someone. If someone is all in on their idea and super passionate about what they're trying to do, I I am most of the time fully behind them. I, I have a lot of confidence in them. Obviously, there are other things you need to look at and talk through and and make sure, you know, they have their all the things necessary to move forward in a business. But, I mean, yeah, if they have that passion, it's just, yeah. Fun, fun question. It's it's one of those things when people go to work at a, at a restaurant, sometimes they come out leaving going, boy, I, I now have developed my own interest in, in starting up a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Well, you work in this. <laughs> have you at all thought of, well, boy, I kind of want to go off on my own and start up my own thing when I see X, Y, and Z. You've, you've seen on the back end what works, and you've also seen where some of the pitfalls are. Yeah. So have you said, you know what? Whatever your passion is, I want to dive in. Uh, lots of times. Uh, a lot of our companies that come through the accelerator, I don't outwardly say it, but I kind of just sit there and smile. I'm like, are you, ask me to help. Ask me to help. I, <laughs> I love helping. And that's the cool part about my job is, is I can do that in my role. Um, there are some companies where I would absolutely raise my hand and say, hey, can I, can I help even more on this and so, be part of it? Which, which begs the question, so how can you help in your role? Yeah. Um, so... Through the accelerator, we have access to tons of resources. Um, so Venture Home is comprised of three partners, um, one being Colab. We look at that as the community partner. The second being uh, UW-Eau Claire. So, right, that's access to lots of resources within the UW system. Um, and then the third is WISIS. So they're um, an organization out of Madison. Um, they have a lot of statewide resources. So whether that's finance, legal, business planning, um, maybe it's a technology they need access to. Maybe they need to learn more about the industry in this way. Maybe they're looking for a mentor, maybe an advisor. Um, those are all things we can help connect them with, right? I might not have the answers, especially in the tech world. Mm -hmm. A lot of that might go right over my head, but I know this person who might know this person, we could connect you. Um, so it's really just, I look at it as a really strong network of resources that we can connect people with. Give Elaine an opportunity here to drink uh, her <laughs> beverage there. You, you need that sugar with the, the kids running around I know. In, the, in the house. Uh, when people are thinking 
startups, and they hear that term startup, uh, a lot of people, their idea all, always goes back to California and Silicon mm. Valley. That's, mm-hmm. that's when we started hearing the term startup and what have you. In this area, is there any type of pattern as to a specific industry that's getting more interest from startups? And, and actually, Jerry, you too could, could, could pipe in from the, the banking segment. Is there a particular sort of business people are, are gravitating more towards? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Industry-wise, it's it's really all over. But the the main thing I'm seeing that where it's consistent is there's always a tech component, especially when we're looking at those more scalable uh, companies, which is kind of what our accelerator is more used for. You know, you have the mom and pop shops, the brick and mortars, fantastic, great, um, absolutely support those, absolutely will help those. Um, but when we're looking at those more scalable uh, companies, they all have some type of tech component, um, whether they've created you know, a certain code for it or a platform for it It could be any number of things. Um, But these days (laughs) you need some type of tech component if you, if you really want to scale your business. Yeah, I I would agree with that as well. That that ability to, if you can create one and it might cost you X dollars, but then creating a copy of that costs almost nothing, but you can sell it for Mm -hmm. something. You know, so the a, a, a cost for a copy of, of software is almost nothing. Right. But if you're charging 50 bucks, 80 bucks, 100 bucks, then you can sell 1,000, 10,000, a million of them when your overhead cost is almost zilch. Mm-hmm. That scalability and that really separates you more than someone trying to make, you know, 10% or 15% or 40% on the bottom line. It, it can, it just mushrooms into some astronomical bottom lines. Yeah. So a lot of those SaaS products, um, we'll see those come through and and that's always really exciting and then I get to learn a lot about that industry because they're the experts and I'm still learning um but yeah I'd say it's it's all over the board but the tech component is probably the main consistent thing well speaking of of tech and I mean you're probably as close to the entrepreneurial uh pulse of this community as anybody do you see another jump on the horizon I do. You do. Nice. <laughs> um, smart care software. Um, Scott Zielski and company. Um, Scott's actually a member of Colab. He's one of our first members. Um, and we have just watched him scale this thing uh, through the pandemic. Um, actually, I think they had a lot of growth through the pandemic. Um, so they, they're a software company um, that healthcare providers can use when doing at-home care. Um, so lots of that probably during COVID and, and now after as the world has changed. Um, but I think they're scaling really quickly and it's, it's been fun to see, um, right. They might not have a building like Jamf and it took Jamf a bit to get there, of course. Um, but, but yeah, they're, they're doing great things. Um, we are super proud to call them a member. Um, and I, I see great things to come from them. I'm excited for them. Now I'm assuming that most of your parties, I want to say all the entrepreneurs, are pretty much locally grown. Yes. First, is that yes to no? Is that a, a, a positive assumption on my part? Yeah, I would say from the region. Okay. Yeah. And then, so so this is my, I guess, the, my real question is, though, so do you see like Wisconsin's tax policies as a factor of someone staying or starting a growing business here locally? I mean, we hear about you know, Silicon Valley, you hear about Austin, Texas, you know, uh, places are moving from one to the other for tax policies. Maybe in the incubation states, it's maybe not the big of a deal. Is that something locally or statewide that we need to work on? 
Yeah. Uh, to your point, I think, you know, later growth companies are probably more interested in that. Um, and I absolutely think that should be something we consider. Um, we have um, qualified new business tax credits here, though. So if a startup is getting investment, um, that can be tax credits back to investors. Um, so I think that's really helpful when investors are looking to work with startups in the area. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would, I think that would absolutely help later growth businesses or maybe even to attract others that are looking to expand. Well, then it kind of leads to my next question. So what do you see as the Chippewa Valley's biggest strengths, but then conversely their weaknesses when it comes to helping businesses start up? Yeah, I think we're really, really good, um, mostly because of the resources and a lot of them are free in helping um, businesses that are in the idea stage or maybe they need to write a business plan or you know, they need a template for this or that. I think we're really good at that. We're also really supportive. Um, I don't know if you've heard of One Million Cups. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a weekly meetup. Um, it's so fantastic. We recommend all entrepreneurs go there. It's just a great community. Um, I was just talking to a founder today about how lonely the entrepreneurial journey can be and having community is so important. Um, and even if you have community around, you're still, right, you're working on this business. It's like your baby and it can just be overwhelming and lonely, um, which is another reason we started this this accelerator. Um, it's a great place to, to make community. Um, but yeah, super great resources. Um, I'd say the second piece where I see a gap and what I'm trying to do in this new role is, is find ways to connect founders to investment, um, to raise funds to keep going or to get to that next level. Um, and so, yeah. Well, I know there's, there's a Chippewa Valley Angel Network. Yes. Uh, yeah. But are, are there other groups that are formed or, or individuals beyond that? I guess if someone was to ask me, that would that would be my first answer, mm -hmm. and then I'd probably stop because yeah. I, you know, other than you know certain individuals that I know that have, that have taken people under their wing and have maybe mm -hmm. provided, you know, and, and, the, and the resources are, are twofold, as you said. One is just support, advice. Uh, sometimes just talking them off the cliff, you know, is, is huge from someone who's been there before. And then finances could be above and beyond that. So I think having those sorts of resources available are, are key. But are there other resources out there that you refer people on to? Yeah, I mean, I mean, looking at Northwestern Bank, we will refer people to, you know, local banks and credit unions. And we have so many great partners in this community. Um, and so that's one great resource, right? But that next step might be investment. Um, and we do have Chippewa Valley Angel Investor Network, and there are other angel investors within the community that might not be part of a network. Um, and that's another thing I hope to do in this role is kind of connect the dots, make introductions. Um, and, you know, you hope those people are ready for conversations like that. I think a lot of, a lot of founders are really excited for investment. Um, they might not be at the right stage yet. And that's where, you know, I could work with them, whether it be through the accelerator or just through conversations we meet every once in a while to get them to a place where they're actually ready to ask for investment because that is, that is a big deal. <laughs> I think, by the way, that might be a, a good uh, future with a uh, bank with a beer uh, talking about uh, from the investor angle there. But uh, let's take a quick detour to that. Obviously, investors need to have money and, and, and what have you. But do, do you find there's people in this area that don't quite understand, oh, I could invest or what have you. When people think of investment, they're thinking Shark Tank or something mm -hmm. like that. And, yeah, you do need to have <laughs> some level of income, if you will. But 
it, it's open to more people than I think people understand, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there is a conference I went to last year. It's called Angel Fest, and it's um, to help um, find those more underrepresented investors. So that's women. It's people of color. And either we're not encouraged to become investors or we think we have to look a certain way or have a certain job title or have this much money in. And it's absolutely not true. I mean, you could invest at the super early stage. It could be for a minimal amount. But if if that's you really believe in that founder and what they're trying to do, you absolutely could be um, an investor of some sort. I do wonder, and, and this is very speculative, and I don't know if you could actually pull this off, but currently right now, if the biggest source of funding for businesses in our country are people's 401ks. I mean, we're, we're donating every paycheck uh, throughout the country, I don't know, billions of dollars, I don't know about trillions, but certainly mm-hmm. billions are going into into the stock market for people who have checked off whether they want to be in this fund or this, you know, age retirement fund or whatever. And all that money is funneled through a certain few, you know, large investment houses who are all taking their percentage off the top. And those dollars are never, for the most part, reinvested back into place like the Chippewa Valley. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought, well, what if you were able to take you know, 5% or so, you know, granted it's going to be speculative, but either could invest in a pool or even make individual investments, but under your own support and say, okay, I'm going to take this shot and then know that, all right, it's very risky, you know, and maybe you have to, you know, hit certain qualifications. You can't come back to your employer because you lost the money on this because obviously if it was that easy, everyone would be doing it, making a lot of money at it. But the way our current investment system is set up right now and our retirement system is set up is that those folks, primarily in New York, who manage these systems, and if you Vanguard, I think, is in um, Gettysburg or Pennsylvania or whatever, and those, they benefit from basically everyone in the country um, finan- or funding things and, and, and investing through these portals and talk about, you know, the ultimate scalability, that's ultimate scalability. Mm-hmm. And is there a way this could be, you know, broken up in a certain way? I think it would be a huge, at least potential pool of dollars for local communities like here in the Chippewa Valley. Yeah. Uh, that is another, um, thing I would like to do in my role um, is start a fund. Uh, we don't have one locally. There's several throughout the state, a lot of them down south. There's a lot of activity down there. We're very happy for them. We could have a lot of activity up here, which I'm excited about. Um, and so if there is a way to, to get folks to kind of what you're saying, pool money together to create um, a localized fund, uh, that is something I'd be very excited um, to do. Now, investing in you know the process of starting up a business, there is a lot of communication involved, meeting with people. What did COVID do through all this? Because you go mm-hmm. from needing this very um, organic environment, and, and, and uh, you know, in, in a case where people do things electronically and through emails and things, the starting pages of of a, of a business are usually very personal, very one on one. How could was this impacted much by COVID? I have to believe that it was. Yeah, I think a little bit. I think um, entrepreneurs are so great, um, right? They, they're they always looking to pivot. They adapt and move forward. Um, and so I'd say COVID just highlighted the need for us to accept and adjust to the more virtual world. So that's, you know, investors meeting with founders over Zoom. 
um, that's us. You know, we started our accelerator um, and we had our cohort start virtually. So instead of meeting a person, they never met in person. It was all just in the computer <laughs> oh, online. And it was just, it felt crazy at the time, but now it feels normal and acceptable. And honestly, I think it creates um, better access um, to folks. Um, so I, I think, right, it might have slowed us down, but I mean, we're still seeing investment in uh, founders. It just keeps going up and up and up. So, so, so did deals get done and things move forward uh, despite the fact it was done virtually? They did. I think, like I said, they had to adjust and maybe come to terms with like, you might not get to meet someone in person. Um, and right, maybe they have to have a few more conversations because you have to really get to know someone, I think, um, before maybe doing the investment deal. Um, but deals absolutely got done and there's still a lot of activity going on. So I know one difference that happened during COVID and I mean, it started off as being a, you know, financial worry. And then as PPP money came in and, um, you know, government stimulus money came in, all of a sudden, a lot of folks had cash they never realized they had. Mm -hmm. And at least at that point, interest rates were so low that the cost of taking a uh, risk on some of these business startups became relatively inexpensive given that you were making almost nothing and you maybe had extra cash to go through. In some cases, did you see an uptick either in investment activity or people who had never really invested before all of a sudden say, well, um, I I'll say became a player in that in that space because of COVID? Yeah, I think a little bit. And I think uh on the other side too, for entrepreneurs, they had a little bit of, um, you know, maybe they had a job and they had that little bit of extra cash coming in and they said, Hey, I'm going to invest this into what I call my side gig now. And that, you know, exponentially grew to whatever. And then now it's their full-time thing. So I think both sides, absolutely. Uh, we saw some of that during the pandemic. So you've had a varied background yourself, uh, seeing this any flyer you take on a business, you don't have to have, to, you know, if you've got something in the back, you don't have to tell us about, but is there an area that, that you find perfect, interesting? You, know, you talked about scalability and, yeah. and software and whatnot, but uh, anything, an area that you'd like to explore? You know, I, was, I think about this all the time. My, in the role I have, I have to be very entrepreneurial. Um, and, you know, when I talk about um, creating a fund, that would involve fundraising. Basically all the things I would have to do to get a fund is what an entrepreneur does for their company. And so I feel like I already kind of live that life, not fully, um, but a little bit. Um, and I really do enjoy it. And I, I, I'm very passionate about um, trying to find those underrepresented founders um, and investors. And I really, really wanna just find ways to amplify them and give um, those folks a chance. Um, so I feel like I'm in, in the spot I want to be right now. I don't know if it'll stay that way, but I, I do think I have an entrepreneurial mindset, um, that I will continue using. I don't know what it'll, where it will bring me, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> and any, you know, being, I'll ask you to be a little bit of a clairvoyant right now. Do you see five, 10 years out? Uh, do you see any of the businesses that you're working with right now? You may, you mentioned one, uh, but where do you, do you see, the Chippewa Valley in terms of its entrepreneurial energy and vision going? I think it's only going to increase exponentially. Um, with our accelerator, I am so excited to see the quality of founders coming through our program and where, you know, after those five months to see where they're at and where they can go. Um, and it only gets better every cohort we have. So, Well, before we wind things down here, uh, 
I finished my beverage, oh. so <laughs> I did. I did not. <laughs> That's always always a sign that we're just about uh, just about done. Uh, we we began uh, talking to you about uh, family and whatnot. When you get one of those rare times to get out of the house, all right, maybe it's with the kids. Where where do you like to go? Good places to eat. Uh, high recommendations. Oh. That sort of thing. Goodness, a good place to eat. Uh, I mean, I already kind of referenced Mogi's. I love going to Mogi's. It's a family place uh, with great food, so I like going there. Um, we love being outside. Um, I like going to the gym. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of limited in what I can do with two young kids, but it's just it's the normal Wisconsin things we do. Yeah. Well, well, it, just a quick thing. I know we're trying to wrap up here, but what I've found, I, I just took a, a relative of mine on a drive through the Chippewa Valley here actually a couple of days ago. And what we can show now in terms of what we have to offer somebody uh, or, a, or a family uh, both in terms of, you know, granted, it's, I know it's today, it's March, mm-hmm. whenever you listen to it, but it's, it's snow out, you know, but, you know, it's a wonderful place to, to live. Um, yes, you know, people say it's not that affordable, but relative to most of the country, it still is very affordable. We have lots of things you can, you can offer, fun things to, and, and whether it be from improvements to the library, the new children's museum, the Pablo Center, it, it go on and on and on. So for a community of our size, we punch way up over our weight in terms of what we can offer people, and yet they can do this in a very quiet, safe, friendly community. And I think now more so than ever, that resonates with people. And I, I see our area only being able to get more popular for good or for bad, going forward, because it, it's it's just not a combination of attributes that most places can can provide. Absolutely agree. I grew up here, and it was fantastic. I loved it. But the the cool things I see for my kids as they grow up here, I'm I'm so excited about. It's a fantastic place to live. Well, that's great. Well, thank you for listening to Scott and I talk to Elaine and chat over a multitude of beverages today. If you like what you've heard, please give Banker with the Beer a five star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about us and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Northwestern Bank website, wherever you listen to your podcasts from. Banker with the Beer is sponsored by Northwestern Bank, building stronger communities where people matter.